Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's interview podcast. My very special guest this week is one of the most distinguished actors in Chicago, Patrick Clear. Hello, Patrick. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Uh, your show, Race, yeah. Namit Show. Tell us about it, and tell us about the role you play, because I thought you had the hardest role to play. Well, well, thank you. It's... Uh, I didn't know what to make of the play when I first read it, and it was interesting. Well, for those of you people who haven't seen it, I don't want to give any major plot points away. I play a very wealthy white uh, white guy, and we're setting it right in Chicago, accused of raping a young younger black woman. And when I was auditioning for it, it was right when the Dominique Strauss-Kahn event was happening. So I, I sort of you know started started to see the play through that prism, uh, and it's it's about uh, three lawyers, two guys and a woman. Uh, one black guy, one white guy, and a young African-American associate. And part of it is first of them judging whether or not to take the case. Uh, and then once they end up stuck with the case, what they do with it. And it's uh, it explores so many topics about race. And it's so, as I, I said to someone else, it's like within the first minute, that line that everyone fears crossing is so quickly in your rearview mirror because we are over the line very quickly. Yeah, Americans are uncomfortable talking about race. As for, and this is mammoth in your face. In I mean, your face, right. It's, from all points of view. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, but within the first minute you hear uh, one lawyer saying, do I, a black lawyer saying, uh, you know, do I, do I hate white folks? Is that what you're asking? Do all black people hate white folks? Well, you bet we do. And, and, so, and that gets a big laugh. Yeah, it's a, kind I, of a nervous laugh, though. Uh, well, sometimes it's nervous. Sometimes it's just like right out there. We, you know, it's very obvious to us if it's a primarily white audience, primarily black audience, or a nice mixed audience. And it's very different from night to night. And Yeah, I can I, imagine it would be. Yeah. Because I know on opening night, uh, there were a number of people at the reception that were really aggravated and stirred up. But it's, that's it's great that it does. It is, yeah. It's incredibly provocative. It's like it's like ending a piece of music on a on an unfinished chord that... And Amanda did not want us having discussions after the show, which I thought would be very natural because it's such a provocative topic. But I think he wants. Does he people, have that in the? It's in the contract it's in for the, the con- oh, for the rights okay. that uh, he did. And I don't know whether it's because in some theaters that gets very heated, or he doesn't want people just trying to ask about the outcome of the case. Because uh, again, not to give anything away, it's not quite resolved as to what happens. Um, in my view, it is, but but I can, yeah. but I can make the argument the other way. Yeah, yeah. which we, is terrific writing. I think so. you know what it reminded me of Tom. It reminded me of uh, Andrew Wyeth painting, like Christina's World, where you know you just see her looking off, and you never know what she's looking at. Or yeah. there's some of those where she's looking out the window. That there's so much of this play is about the individual in the audience. How you take, you know, because what you what you bring to it is going to determine how, what you see up there. Yeah, and and the reviews have have all been mixed around, but they're all saying even those that were mad at it, you got to see it. Yeah, which is great because we're selling really well. Actually, uh, a number of friends of mine saw it early on, like we had an invited dress, said they wanted to come back and see it again because there are so many lines that are so shocking. You're, you're, spent, you're, you're thinking to yourself, did he really say that? And you miss the next thing that's said. So, yeah, uh, I, and it goes by. Well, very it's one fast. of the few. I, I have a fair amount of scripts, but it's one of the ones I want to get the script for because there's just so many good lines in there. There's so many, yeah, yeah. great lines in there. And, and as I say, when I read it, I had no idea it was going to be as funny as it is. Uh, so how did you approach your character? Because you're playing this this uh, this multi-millionaire, billionaire, uh, patriarch kind of character, yeah. uh, and uh, he 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 comes off like you play him like 
he's this idealist and he's wondering like what's all this well that's yeah that is the take i it's funny i i've been joking since i got this part that between this show this part the clean house uh, and the goat i have hit the trifecta of the world's worst husband <laughs> cuz and I, and they all of them are kind of clueless and kind of yeah. uh, they they're so but they're majorly tough roles to do that's a compliment to you that you well, got cast in you. those but i think the secret to 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 charles is that uh he's a product of his upbringing and he's uh, his own experience he and the great failing i mean he's you know there's some loathsome things about him this does not beat around the bush. Nowhere in the play do I ever mention my wife or any feeling about uh, the fact that I betrayed her and how she feels. That's true. That's yeah. not mentioned. Yeah, never mentioned. <laughs> which uh, I actually I realized even before my wife pointed out that you know he never mentions his wife, but he's um, you know trying to see how he sees himself. I I would say he probably thinks of himself as a liberal. Uh, yeah, and he, did he can justify anything because he wanted to keep wanting to give press conferences. Yeah, I he. And he, but and I think he ends up feeling very guilty about something. And you're never quite sure what. Um, but it, the hardest thing for me was to try and internalize what it must be like to be brought up with such privilege as as one of the characters says about him. You know, no one has said no to him for forty years. And what is? How does that inform the way you expect people to just say yes to you? It kind of reminds me of some of the Kennedys. Yes, very much. We thought. Yeah, this guy is like remember because remember that one of the Kennedys was Smith. That was yeah, accused of rape. Yeah, I was yeah. living in Fort Lauderdale at the time. Oh, when yeah. was going down. Yeah, that's exactly who we used to talk about. You know, like one of or one of the Pritzkers, or I'm from St. Louis, like one of the Bushes, or you know, the family that you know we we tossed around ideas like how he could have met the girl that's in question, and you never find out. And I actually don't want to talk about. I mean, the character does not want to talk about it. But one of the things I we did imagine is that I very easily the family could own a sports team. And she like could have been uh, like a lovable. She could have been a cheerleader, or uh, you know, a, uh, for one of the teams. Well, that's part of the the structure that's so good about this play is there's hints. Like you could make the argument that she was a kept lady because you yes. kept saying she wasn't a prostitute, mm -hmm. and I believe that. Uh, and and how how often they have those uh, little concubines, the little Something, dollies yeah. here and there. Yeah. yeah, and it's and I think one of the things that I hope the audience gets is that. I'm sure they're making judgments about all these characters from the get-go. And I hope at some point, maybe even after they've gone home, they realize how little they actually know about the event. Yeah. That they've made judgments. It's like... Well, it's, we were arguing afterward yeah. on, the, on the way home about, uh, you know, did your character actually do the rape? And, and you know, what, was the young uh, lady the, the, the real uh, devil in the group? Or uh, yeah, is Mark's character the, the, the ultra-cynical lawyer? Yeah, I mean, Mark is so, Jack is so caustic and so cynical. And uh, I think one of the saving points of the show, too, is that Jack, uh, the character Mark Grapey plays, is kind of an equal opportunity offender. He, he's got the low esteem of just about anybody. Oh, yeah. So it's not just one race or the other. And I also think it's it's so refreshing, the, the relationship between the two primary lawyers, uh, uh, Jack, played by Mark Grapey, and uh, Henry, played by Jeffrey Owen, has such an extraordinarily frank relationship when it comes to race. One's black, one's white. But I think that's why they get along. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because there's no way they could have stayed together 20 years and, and, and had the friction. They had to have it. Whatever battles they had, they did years ago. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was a valid character. Even you know, Some people argue that the, all four of the characters aren't developed enough. Well, I think they are. I, I do, too. I, 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 
I, you know, I guess a lot, some people want backstory on everybody. But I think that's that's one of the, one of the things about the play is that they're they're it's just very it's sketched in. So a lot of the story is sketched in because it's about letting you bring more of yourself. It's almost like listening to listening to radio rather than seeing TV. That you have to bring so much more of it yourself. I was so we were uh, we're gonna have some high school matinees of this show. Which oh, that would be. I hope you do have talkbacks for that. I think we're gonna have some kind of chat afterwards. Uh, they're 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 working around the restriction. But I was saying to the teachers, you know, for kids who are not used to the theater, I think one of the things that may make them really uncomfortable is being used to film and television, where you are pretty much told how you're supposed to feel about characters. You know the kind of music somebody that you know, they mm-hmm. choose to underscore a scene, or the way in which a character is lit, or the way in which they're shot. Are they close? Well, up? A lot of it's the shot because in, yeah. in television and film, you don't your eyes go where the the camera picks where you go. Yeah, on stage your eye goes. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is you know telling based on your experience of the world. Like that, I got focused on your character and some of. The, I was listening intently to the like when the other lawyers were debating, but I was yeah. focused on you because you had these. Unique expressions that that said a lot. Well, thanks. You know, and and uh, because I'm reading you, and I'm saying, is he or isn't he? So I figure I could, I could read, and I know you would give whatever hints were the script wanted you to, uh-huh. but you didn't. Well, which was which was the right thing to do. Well, from, thank. From the point of view of the Th- story, this was a tough script to learn too, because I'd never worked on a mammoth script before, and it's very reminiscent of working on Albi. That there are so many. Uh, it's like reading a musical score. There's so many. Uh, notations about how he wants it said because they're uh, a given sentence might have three periods in it you know they're just fragments but he's got them with a period that he and even wants. and mammoths are hard to read because they they beg to be played out on stage right you know some plays you you know yes some plays you read in their, their, their literature yeah yeah and you can get everything just reading it i know mammoths and, are tough reads yeah you, and they're you, tough for actors learning it it is because it's almost like with a metronome Okay. Yeah, the guy who's understudying me, unfortunately, he's got to understudy me and Jack, and he's uh, it was driving him crazy <laughs> trying to remember because you know I have got. Hope he gets paid enough for that. <laughs> I hope he does too. Uh, there are so many fragmented sentences because you know, ma'am, it's all about the the rhythm of speech, and you know, I've got so many and lines. The realism where, of speech too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yes. that was it was it was trying to get it exa- exactly well, right. Well, Chris Jones said that uh, Chuck Smith's production, the one you're in. So much better than the one in New York. I guess Mammoth directed the one. In New York. I think he did direct the one in New York. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes you know you you need another. It's a collaborative part. You need another but, face to come in and and, and do it. And it, I didn't see the one in New York. Uh, Chuck saw it. I know, and some of the other people. So I think Jeffrey saw it too. Uh, I because I was asking, did it play funny in New York? And they said they don't remember it being funny. And you'd remember it. I think you yeah, would remember. Yeah, it. it's that kind of play. Yeah. And I don't. You know. And they had. You know, big name stars in the show, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's got to be such an ensemble piece. Yeah, you got to be. There's, you got to be. Well, a little, it's an actors. It's a professional yeah. actors. I mean, this is a piece that I, I you know, I think Mam is smart enough. I don't see storefronts, non-equities doing this for a long, long no, time. No, no, and know, it's, it's a, too yeah. hard a piece. And but it, it, it's going to be done. It's, it's gutsy for a theater to do it. I'm really applaud the, yeah. the Goodman for doing it. And they, I think they're very, you know, Bob has put a. Several controversial ones, and he he believes yeah. I've interviewed. He believes that's yeah. his role, yeah, to do not to do service and do necessarily do what people want, but do what do you know do the plays that affect people that, and that should be done. Yeah, I mean, he was always because we did the goat together. You know, Bob directed the goat, and he was saying again, I don't know if it's I think it was Albie who's quoting that uh, theater should what was it 
give solace to the oppressed or, or give solace to the suffering and make the I forget how when I would but uh, yeah make, make the yeah what is it give the, a voice to the oppressed type, yeah yeah and, and un- unnerve those yeah. who are kind of self satisfied and smug and mammoth mammoths that get the dialogue going in yeah. your face that's, that's yeah. what he's all about so and I'm, I mean you could have like textbook definition of provocative theater and and it's amazing how we've matured the the irony of the show is it's about race and it and there's all these lines about uh, how Black people don't necessarily trust white people because they think they're going they're going to uh, turn on them. And how anybody, when they get an advantage, will use it, it whether yeah. it be white or black. And yeah, that's very cynical, but it's kind of true. I think. It, I, think it's, I think there's a lot of insight, and also I think well, you know, he's um, he dedicates the play to Shelby Steele, a conservative black sociologist, and I think one of the points he's trying to make is that the attempt to redress past wrongs create situations in which we are unable to be honest with each other yeah. and it's the it's the hiding and it's the it's the deceptions and the manipulation that ultimately gets in the way and i you know and i think i i am greatly encouraged by the fact that audiences black and white sitting next to each other are both finding it funny and that we've reached the point where a white writer can write you know, I mean, he rips yeah. every. I mean, he rips the whites too. Yeah. Players, but he's ripping the blacks too. Yeah. There was a time when that happened. There would have been civil rights marchers out in front of the theater. Yeah, and I, because I, I, you're right. There's a lot of times when a white writer tries to write a black character, they're so thinly dimensional, and they're just kind well, of they're afraid. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to offend. Yeah. So they're just sort of, you know, very full of folksy wisdom, and but not three dimensional. And there's certainly, they're very rare that a white writer will write a black character who has any flaws at all. Yeah. And how dull is that to play? Yeah. yeah. Tell us about Chuck Smith. Oh, Chuck. He's I had never worked a, with he's Chuck. He's a marvel. Yeah. He is. I, he's such a careful caster. You know, I recognized when we first did the first read-through, I thought, well, these people are really, well, these three are, the other ones I'm looking at are just so brilliantly cast, made me feel really good about myself. And he... Because he's such a careful caster, he really believes in letting it grow organically. His philosophy is to get it up on its feet, get people off book right away, and use run-throughs and very minimal direction. He just well, sort of, you know. Cast well and get out of the way. Huh? That's right. It's like a gardener. You know, he, you know, I hear that from all the top directors. Yeah. Yeah. The guys in musicals, that's their Mark Robbins of the world. That's their philosophy. Yeah. yeah. Because if you're busy in there trying to, and also he doesn't try to, uh, he's not trying to be an acting coach. You know, he's trying to make the story come across clearly. And, uh, yeah, I just had a great time with it. And I, I, when you feel that sense of confidence from the director, you you just feel more uh, free and confident to explore. So he'll let take, you take a chance. Absolutely. And if he doesn't like it, he's not shy. No, that didn't work. Don't oh. do that again. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that again. He's not beating around the bush. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good because you, you want to know. Get that out of the way. Yeah. Let's get to the meat of it. And, you know, in the we did not spend a lot of time sitting around the table talking about our own experiences with race because I think he recognized that was really not germane to our task of getting the play up yeah. uh, and just, you know, make sure the story is clearly told and the ambiguities, where there are ambiguities, make sure... The audience gets to there perceive it. There's a lot it. here. A lot of it's the timing for effect, though. I think. Yeah. The, 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 the way you guys emphasize it. How did you prepare for the role? Uh, you know, night in, night out. How do you keep that that fresh? How do you, you know, it's reach, reach that point? You know that, that yeah. you have to do every night to make it you know the same. 
I've pretty much taken it off the other actors. You know, it's uh, the this is one of those shows where just getting dressed because I've got really nice clothes for the show. Yeah, well, yeah, you're dressed like a millionaire. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know the whole process of just getting to feel comfortable in those clothes and those shoes and um, the hard one of the hardest things we worked on was the moment before the play begins. Because it starts kind of in the middle of things. And w the first line is where Henry just says to me, sit down. And it can be, we tried so many different variations of what that moment was like. You know, had I just walked into the room? Have we had some kind of other confrontation? Have I said something that he found offensive? Because he launches, right after he launches into, you want to tell me about uh, black folks? I'll help you. Yeah, yeah. So what what was the nature of that But you moment? hit it because it. I I almost if I hadn't been sitting down if I had been standing up or walking I would have felt geez I'm five minutes late uh huh yeah and how'd you feel at the end because the end it ends very abruptly yeah I thought it ended I like the work I thought okay. it ended the work should have ended Great. some people you know they always want every little thing tied up and that's not what theater is about no it isn't especially yeah. this show now the, you know I don't know if, did you see it in New York no I did not see it because you know it's it's a short play but in New York they put the intermission after the first scene. So the first act was, you know, about a half an hour. No, I th I liked where you, you it, it was at the right time to do it. Yeah, cool. And again, that's the Goodman and people like Chuck that know what they're doing. Yeah, and you know, one of the, it's very funny that Chuck was determined to have. Uh, he really wanted it set in Chicago, so he was determined to find some little touch, some little iconic touch that would make it Chicago. And we decided at the beginning of the second scene, these guys worked through lunch. They've ordered lunch. They talked about getting sushi or something. And Chuck said, no, Harold's chicken. Yeah. Actually, it was one of our interns. Was that was it? Uh, Jamila was it? or uh, it might have been Jamila. Because I don't know if anyone's here. Harold's chicken is great. Yeah. 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 And he actually, he, Chuck brought it in for us all one day so we could all yeah. make sure we had it in yeah, there. Yeah. Kid didn't want not real chicken on stage for the scene because then it gets yeah. all of your fingers and you're all greasy. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you got to be proud of this show. I'm very proud of this show. I'm proud of the ensemble work in the show. I'm proud of. I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but it's it's not that often that as an actor you get to feel like you're you're an active part of the civic dialogue that needs to take place now. I've done a lot of plays that where race was the, the center of the issue. But it's always been like the Star Wars somewhere far away and long ago, like uh, Song of Jacob Zulu in South Africa or uh, Miss Evers' Boy set in the 30s or Dartmoor Prison I did in the spring set in 1812. Um, that is, you know, it's, it's one thing to push it far away yeah. so the audience has a little bit of, oh, well, that's not me. That's not our life. Well, folks, this one is in your face. <laughs> yeah. And this is what like, happened today. Is, and folks, you got to get out to the Goodman to see it. And you might walk out mad. But that's fine. You have to see it. Uh, it will get you thinking. It will get you. If you bring somebody, try and bring someone who has different views of you, and you can have fun Absolutely. over a drink or dinner or something. Yeah. Just, just arguing about it. Yeah. And, and it, it doesn't reaffirm anybody's position. It just—it's so great. It's unbelievably refreshing. I just, the only people I think who get ripped pretty good, and maybe they deserve it. I was kidding. My lawyer friends. Yeah. I think lawyers come up. Yeah. Lawyer, lawyer, it yeah. does. It comes up pretty cynical about. But my one friend who's a very successful lawyer, he says, "Thank God I didn't go with that law firm." He says, "He says we wouldn't have lasted ten minutes. Uh, it was tough as they as they were." Yeah, but it, yeah, I'm very proud of the show, and I'm. So uh, it runs at the Goodman Theater till when? Till February 19th. February 19th, folks, you gotta get out, and, and it's see selling it. like crazy. Good. So. Yeah, I was just uh, 
this interview uh, right after the Thursday matinee, and I was amazed at usually I you know I do yeah. interviews after matinees with with actors, and you know take some two minutes and they clear out the. They look like every seat was taken. And not only that, but you know what I'm finding? Because uh, we're not doing the discussions afterwards. People are are staying in the lobby. People, yeah, the they audience, were, yeah, they the audience wants right. to wants to. They just they feel incomplete. They want to talk about this. They but they feel but there's a kind of they seem jazzed. You know, they seem like this is like opened a floodgate. Like oh, you know, so many of these issues, and uh, not to mention you know the language itself. You know, derive so much power because they're forbidden to talk about. But you just throw them on the table, and there's a kind of like oh, we're like it's like Mrs. Haversham. You know, you're kind of Shaking out the dust and the cobwebs, and you take it an idea. And if that's the effect of this play, what's wrong with that? Absolutely, we need to get out and talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, Obama broke down a, certainly broke down a lot of barriers, but this, as this play shows, there's more to go. There's yeah. I mean, as I as I wrote in the, the, the in the lobby about you know eviscerating the idea that we live in a post racial society because clearly no. we don't. Yeah, and. Uh, but when Obama gets reelected, yes, then then we'll we'll march. <laughs> well, I, I yeah, I mean, well, let's talk about your career. Sure, I mean, folks, it, when you read the playbill, I mean, you you have a list of like, is there a major theater in the Midwest or New York that you haven't? Uh, I've you know when I because wow. we lived in New York for seven years after. Uh, well, I, I came out of graduate school, and my then uh, girlfriend later became my wife. We moved to Minneapolis together, so we worked at the Guthrie for a couple of years, then moved to New York. New York for seven years, and my deal was I would work out of town, but only someplace that Barbara could get to on the train on a weekend. So I worked up and deal. down. Yeah, that was that a good works. deal. And I worked a way to keep a marriage together. Absolutely, and I I worked in some great theaters, uh, Boston and Washington D.C. and uh, Center Stage in Baltimore, um, and that was a great. But once my daughter was born, I, we didn't we didn't want to get out of New York. I also had the you know I also Tom I had the great advantage and the great luck to I was understudying Noises Off the original. Broadway, oh, yeah, Broadway I saw production. That on your I was going to ask you if that was the original. The original production. I was understudying Victor Garber as wow. Gary Vision, and and Victor broke his foot, and everyone thought he did it in the show, but he didn't. He he did it running for the bus after the show to get home. So I was on for a couple of months when it was a very new show and a very hot ticket, because I I I feel so bad for a lot of young actors in New York who you can you can kid yourself that if I could just get like on Broadway. Like, my life would be so much better. And it was better. I was making a lot more money. But, you know, it was still New York. It was still unbelievably crowded. And I, I love it. Expensive to live. Expensive to live. And you it's funny how the New York actors are coming here, particularly those in the musicals, are coming here to audition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, I also, I also tell uh, young actors because uh, I see them wanting to move to New York. And I certainly understand that. I mean, I have credits from New York, which, you know, I wouldn't certainly opened a lot of doors to me when I moved here. But it's a, such a different community here that, you know, Chicago is a, it is a real community of actors. Well, you guys aren't afraid to be the star in one show and uh, be the ensemble in the next. I, you have to. You have to because there's just not enough, work, not enough leading roles and you don't make that much that you can ever coast. So we have very few prima donnas. In. Exactly. I mean, you can't really, and you guys all get along. Yeah. I, I'm amazed and I, uh, at two or three actors will be going for the same role and they'll drive together. And they'll share the sides and yeah. things. You wouldn't get that in New York. Oh my God, no! Yeah, I mean, you go to New York, and my experience was you sit around auditions, and it was it's, it's like people trying to scope each other out, and like, were you seen for this? Who's your agent? Would you blah blah? And it's all very cagey and. But here, you know, you go to auditions, and 
everybody talks about their kids. They talk about their their pets. They talk about the house. They talk about the cubs. You know, they talk about the bears. And and as I also say to young actors, I think one of the reasons Chicago theater is so healthy, I think the actors are much more like the audience. Okay. That, yeah, that get along. Yeah. Well, our sense of values. You know that. Yeah. When I when I when I was living in New York, I I go out of town and I'd do a show. You'd be, I'd go out of town for seven weeks. I became really tight with those people, and then not see them. You know. It was really it was an effort to hold on to people because New York's so vast. So consequently, I think there's I think the New York the out of town actors tend to be kind of alienated, and they don't you know very few of them had uh, really solid home lives. So that like, you're doing a play and you're talking about you know your kids and your home the character is well you're resonating with it in a way that doesn't make sense to the audience. Yeah. You, but here, your wife is an actress. She, yes, she is. She teaches preschool, but she's also an actress. Uh, she's uh, she sort of cornered the market on housekeeping parts up in. Uh, yeah, uh, she was just in Secret Garden. Secret yeah. Garden, playing a housekeeper. Yeah, she was. Uh, she done. Uh, uh, she played the housekeeper in My Fair Lady up there, and and she's going to do um, Oliver next year. And she's and we 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 actually were. It was a huge thrill for us to be able to do a couple of shows together up at Apple Tree before close. We did Uncle Vanya and A Man of No I Importance. I remember you and her. I didn't remember her in it. But yeah, okay. She played the old housekeeper, okay, house. <laughs> Marina, in that well, one. She'll never be out of work. That's, That's why I right. tell Paul and John about playing the butlers and the maids. Huh? <laughs> That's right. Well, it's a war of attrition. You know, yeah. that, you know there, are, there are fewer parts as you get a little older, but there are also fewer well, actors. I, but I think they're, uh, I think the parts are stronger. Oh, I, I love them. Yeah. And... and uh, and I know a lot of the younger actors told me they just love seeing you guys work. You know, the, oh, the veteran actors—they said they just learned so much. Well, I, yeah, I I do love working with the younger actors, and I do encourage them. You know, try and stay here. That it, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna have the instant success of uh, you know, like Jesse Mueller's had on Broadway now, where she's you know, recognizable name, but and but she's still part of the community here. You know, oh, yeah. you know, and it's. Uh, it's just a very different kind of. You can have a life here. You know, it was a struggle, but we, you know, put my daughter through college. We have a house up in Evanston. You're not the only one. There's a lot of families around, so it is possible for those that are struggling now to, yeah, to make a living. It is. It. It. You need to be incredibly versatile. You got to do some voiceover and voiceover and. I saw it, you in a commercial not too far. What was the last one you were in? Well, I was in one for Central DuPage Hospital. Yeah. Uh, I thought there was, uh, I don't know, it was some national, I, I don't remember, but I remember distinctly you were in there. But. Yeah. Well, the, and the, that's, I think that's become harder for actors here because we used to have so many more commercials shot here, more national commercials shot here. And we also had a huge industrial market, yeah, which is yeah. which has gotten, you know, that's gone so non-union, um, which is a shame because, as I was saying to you earlier, you know, we sort of need an ecology. Like, it's great that we've got Boss shoot, shooting here and there's some other TV shows that's starting to shoot here. But we know when Early Edition was shooting here, the Untouchables were shooting here, so that you could work at a theater that paid you, you know, four fifty a week because you were getting residuals that would help you yeah. pay the bills along. The other thing that's changed is it's become so much harder to get insurance. And oh, I didn't realize, is it? Yeah, it used to, when I was starting out, I had triple insurance from all three of my unions all the time, and you, because you only had to make a minimum amount. I think equity at some point was like. Maybe you work two weeks and you got covered. Like eleven or twelve. No, you well, you got to work twenty weeks. Twenty weeks to get a year's worth of insurance, and twelve weeks to get six months. But then it gets really tricky to requalify because then you have to work, earn twenty-four weeks in order to keep going for a year. Um, but the and you know to add a dependent like for young families with with kids, 
it's it's very expensive and i i, I my heart goes out to them that that's become much harder but a lot of them have to stay with it as you cuz you, when you get that bug when you when you have to have that urge to be creative yeah yeah there's and nothing it, that quenches that it's and like, you know i i tell you another thing that occurred to me tom and cuz i have i have a lot of friends in all different kinds of businesses and it, one day it dawned on me like uh for business in which our business is pretending to be someone else. On a day-to-day basis, we're allowed to be exactly who we are. You know that. You know, you go into your banker. You 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 expect a kind of banker thing. Yeah. Or a lawyer. You know, there's yeah. a kind of lawyer. Yeah. There's a there's a kind of a role they play. Yeah. 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 Or a doctor. Yeah. But actors are so so. That consequently, other people know you very well. The people I work with all the time really know me. Yeah. So it's a very. I mean, I love going to work. I love, I love the uh, the community of actors. And is it fun going to work? Oh, and playing. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah, I know it is. It's very fun. What uh, what words of wisdom you've given a lot? But what direct? If you if there was a room full of actors here, yeah, I handed you the mic and says, talk to these young kids. What would you advise them? Well, the the first thing is I, I would say, and I because I used to teach over Victory Gardens at class in um, auditioning. Particularly, so I had a lot of young actors. It's very helpful if you either sing or are comfortable with Shakespeare, because you need to be versatile. Not only versatile, but but those two particularly because those both need a lot of people who will work for cheap to get your foot in the door. Because if I'm a theater and I'm doing a three character play, I'm not going to take a I'm not going to take a chance on a third of my cast on somebody I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if I'm doing, you know, Henry the Fourth. And I've got a cast of 30, and I don't know you very well, but you give a good audition, I'm much more likely to take a chance on you. Okay. And similarly with musicals, you just need a lot of people who, who, who work, you know, relatively cheaply. And the other thing is that we're talking about, you know, the, the, the theater here just does not permit for prima donnas. You're gonna, you're gonna have to, uh. No, work ethic is so important. It's very, and the word gets around. Yeah. Oh, like, 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 yeah, I mean, you break wind in the dressing room and, you know, every theater in New York, in Chicago knows it. It's very small town here that way. And, and Chicago actors are known for their work ethic. I think that the, you know, people come in prepared. They, and they I work. believe, and I believe uh, acting quality. Look how many national tours come here and loot our people. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is, and other cities. I know yeah. Mark Robin, he's, he's telling me, I just dip into the Chicago pool with, with the shows, you know, that he does all over the country. Yeah. So we're getting near the end. I gotta oh, ask you the last sure, question. Sure. What? Tell me a role you're dying to play, or you haven't played yet. You know that's interesting. I don't carry around a list of those anymore. I, you know, when I was a young actor, I you know yeah, you, had to, you probably <laughs> yeah. you probably did all those right. Well, part of it and part of it is part of it is just surrendering to how other people perceive you. That's one thing, piece of advice I would give young actors is you really. Uh, I remember Robert Patrick, the playwright. Uh, I met him. We, my wife and I were taking a costume exhibit to Ball State University, and he was uh, speaking there. And he was advising the young theater students there, go into a room, lock the door with a big mirror, lock the door, take off all your clothes, look at yourself in the mirror and go, now what could that play? <laughs> and I think, you know, part of what makes what lets actors survive is having a pretty resilient ego that says, this is what I do. And, you know, uh, I'm comfortable with it. Uh, so I, I got a review a couple of years ago that always made me laugh when I thought about it. 
the, the reviewer actually said, Patrick Lear should pretty much stick to playing ineffectual ministers, which just made me laugh. Uh, so, you also probably wanted to hit him over the head. I, I, I just thought it was yeah, amusing. See, you're, you're above that. I, that would aggravate me. I, I, I enjoy roles like this. Like, you know, this role is very reminiscent of The Goat yes, or of Clean yes. House for me. That I mean, my sweet spot, I think, are the roles of kind of moral ambiguity of someone who's trying to be uh, a good person, but they've just gone off the rails somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I love playing Gloucester in Lear, for example. You know, I think I'm much more of a Gloucester than a Lear that way, or somebody like. Um, so, what's your favorite to do? Shakespeare, oh, Shaw, Oscar Wilde. Well, gosh, it's, I do enjoy comedy. Okay. Comedy is huge. I mean, I think my, my top five. I mean, I loved doing Arcadia uh, years ago. Yeah, that was terrific. Well, it was so it's a great smart play too. too. Yeah, it's a great play, and I love doing plays that are really smart that you never get tired of. That keep revealing themselves to you, like Layers of Onion. Uh, Madness of George was that way. Mm-hmm. Plays like uh, like an Aaron Sorkin, uh, tell you know, uh, like West Wing. That you're always kind of going, okay, audience, keep up, keep yeah. up. We're not waiting for you. We're going to move this like this one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this one definitely. Yeah, it's very this much is one of the rare plays that you can see easily see it again a week later. Yeah, not a month later, a week later, and it's refreshing because there's those things you missed. Yeah, and I, you know, because I'm off stage a lot in the show, and I, I was totally absorbed watching rehearsal constantly because I'm a big mystery fan, yeah, and this I is there's too. an element of mystery, yeah. in that, and it just this play bounces, bounces like a it, it, we we first talked about a uh, prize fight because the set's like a kind of mm-hmm. like a boxing ring, but it's so much more like like killer ping pong because oh, yeah. it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and sometimes you only have a syllable like I. Or, you know, a but broken it's how line. you deliver it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're just about out of time. Well, Tom, this has been great. Thank, Thank you so you, much. Thank uh, you. And folks, go see a play this week.